0: Hey folks, Gavin Roth here with episode 27 of the Roth Revenue podcast. This is the Influencers of Sponsorship Marketing, and my guest on this episode is Dr. Norm O'Reilly. Norm is recognized as one of the leading scholars in the business of sports. He is currently Professor and Assistant Dean of Executive Programs in the College of Business and Economics at the University of Guelph. Among Norm's many accomplishments, he has authored or co-authored eight books and the widely referenced Canadian Sponsorship Landscape Study. Tune in and it won't take long to realize Norm is a super passionate, highly knowledgeable guy who loves talking sponsorship marketing. During our chat, we cover three themes. Norm's journey, the Canadian Sponsorship Landscape Study, and Norm's view, on the impact COVID-19 will have on the sports and sponsorship industries. Some topics that stood out. What led Norm to do his PhD in sponsorship marketing? Reasons behind the growth of post-secondary sport marketing programs in Canada. Some of the trends Norm has seen in recent years in the sponsorship industry. Why Canada lags behind the US in terms of sponsorship activation spending Norm's view on where and how cause properties fit into the sponsorship landscape, the proliferation of sponsorship marketing agencies in Canada, thoughts on what the new normal may look like in the sport and entertainment sectors, the impact COVID-19 will have on the small property and event layer of the industry, which has been widely underreported, and Norm has his views the impact COVID-19 will have on how sponsors and properties behave, including some silver linings and innovations. I hope you enjoy. And for more episodes of the Roth Revenue podcast, follow me on LinkedIn, visit Spotify, SoundCloud, or check out rothrevenue.com. All right, let's roll. Okay. So, um, uh, so thrilled to be joined by Norm O'Reilly, Dr. Norm O'Reilly. Um, very intimidating. Uh, I'm not normally, you know, the, the, uh, second smartest person in the room, but today I am. I'm always, I'm always the second <laughs> smartest person in the no, room. I, I don't think yeah. so, but yeah. 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 So, uh, so, Norm, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, you know, this this podcast, uh, the theme of it is influencers of sponsorship marketing, and it's hard to envision somebody who's, who fits that description better. So I appreciate you taking the time. And, and first things first, uh, we're living in this crazy new uh, reality. How are you doing? Uh, there's this perception that I think that work from home means we've got extra time. You've got, what, four kids? Yes, um, yes, How many? Yeah. And 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 I know that, uh, I, I suspect that doesn't apply to you. You've been, you, you're a pretty busy dude. So, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, exact. Thank you, Gavin, for having me and I'm thrilled to be here. And You know, we've known each other for a very long time and, and mm-hmm. excited to have this uh, next hour. Yeah, it's been, uh, I'd say it's been, like for most people, it's been more mentally challenging than anything just to balance everything, homeschool with the kids, trying to stay fit. Dealing with the cancellations of all these kind of cool work-family trips you kind of had planned talks and stuff. So it's yeah, it's been. I'd say it's been tougher than I kind of thought it would be. And uh, and and the fact that the end is this uncertain number, I think is something we all have to be worried about with our mental health. And so I think even even people like you or I that you know life continues on and and you've got careers that you feel comfortable and pretty safe in. Uh, it still can be. You still got to work. Look out for for your your own well being. I think in a more, you know, more, I don't know, direct way than you would normally. Yeah, so that's no I, I fair. It's
0: it's 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 the full self, right? The whole yeah. self. I think gets is the term of, I've, I've heard. Right, your physical being, your mental being. Uh, you know, your your how you support those around you, how they need to support you. There's so many this is unprecedented and it's changed all of those dynamics. So I, I hear you loud and clear. Um, so three three themes I wanna cover off. I mean, Jesus, we've talked offline, we could we could go on for a long time, but I, I that was one of the things when I got into doing the podcast, um, um, what intimidated me about podcasts is I look at some of them that are interesting and then you, it's two hours, it's an hour and a half and I'm like, oh, you know, and, but there are people who dive into that maybe now more than ever, but right. I, I, I like to try and keep it fairly condensed, but uh, that's going to be a challenge here for the good, for a good reason with you. There's so many ways we can go. So I want to cover um, some of your journey career wise, cause it's fascinating and we'll, we'll hit on kind of where we, <laughs> where we uh, intersected. Um, uh, I want to talk about the Canadian sponsorship landscape study, which you are co-author of and, and, um, you know, how many editions now? 13, 14? Yeah, we're in 14 right now. So, yes. 14. So amazing. So, we'll talk about that. And that really is, I think, what makes this most relevant for the, for the theme of this podcast. And then we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about sponsorship and sports marketing in the COVID 19 world. So, we'll hit on that. Okay. Yes, sounds cool. great. So, all right. So, um, in terms of uh, the journey, uh, for those who don't know Norm, um really there are very few people more connected and respected in the canadian sponsorship and sports marketing industry so i'm going to read a little bit from your bio you might want to go take the kids for a walk or something and come back because uh you know this will, be, <laughs> this will be a little bit but i as i told you i'm gonna hit uh, take some of the highlights that could go could go longer um so dr norm o'reilly recognized one of the leading scholars in the business of sports currently Professor and Assistant Dean of Executive Programs in the College of Business and Economics at the University of Guelph. Um, Dr. O'Reilly is also the founding director of the International Institute for Sport Business and Leadership at Guelph, which is a think tank devoted to improving the sport business globally. He was previously the Richard P. and Joan S. Fox Professor of Business and Chair of the Department of Sport Administration at Ohio University's Uh, College of Business. Norm has authored or co-authored eight books, I'm still working on my first, 14 case studies in the Harvard slash Stanford series, and more than 100 peer-reviewed journal articles. His books include the 2016 release Sports Business Management, Decision-Making Around the Globe with George Foster and Tony Davila, And the 2015 book, Global Sport Marketing, Sponsorship, Ambush Marketing, and the Olympic Games, which is very interesting to me, with Richard Pound, Rick Burton, uh, Benoit Sagan, and Michelle Brunette. Dr. O'Reilly is the lead researcher on the Canadian Sponsorship Landscape Study, a highlight of the annual Canadian Sponsorship Forum since 2007, currently in its Well, as we were saying, it says 12th here, but 14 edition. So, so uh, let me, okay. (laughs) Uh, So the second half now of your bio, just kidding. Um, So this is like asking you to pick your favorite child, but is there an achievement uh, or two in there that you're particularly proud of?
1: yeah, I mean, th- there's a number of things. I think obviously people recognize as an academic, um, you 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 have that kind of pathway of publishing and teaching and collecting degrees and all that kind of stuff, which is very important in the kind of the formal setting. I think what I'm most proud of are the things that have kept me engaged in the real world. So you mentioned the the Canadian sponsorship landscape study. I mean that, yeah, that's an older bio from the Guelph website, but it's with the sp- now sponsorship X. so but each year it gets presented at least five times done in English and French. We use it all over the place. Uh, gets a huge number of industry downloads, so over a thousand-ish every year. And. Compared to like Justin Timberlake, that's pretty sure. modest. But someone someone who goes and wants to to download a you
0: know a thirty. 30- Wait, did my <laughs> wife get to you and mention to to throw in a JT reference? That, that's her. That's her boyfriend, by the way. So she'll listen to this episode. Good choice. Good
1: choice. But the okay. th- it's like a thirty megabyte, hundred page file about sponsorship statistics. That, that we consider that kind of a home run. And it's a budget list. Oh. Many many partners involved with it are really good. Uh, the second thing I think that, that, that's not in the bio there is I've been involved as a consultant, as you know, for a long time. I work with the T1 agency. And so I, as a lot mm-hmm. of professors, I, I'm very proud of the fact, so that's landscape study and a bunch of other things that I that I, I believe I'm still relevant. And I stay very involved with industry, and that's led to me to a whole bunch of number of projects. So that part of my life and business professors are encouraged to do these kind of things. And I think it brings more back to the classroom. You bring more to your students. And so that's more of a general answer. But the yeah, fact that you know, I've been like able that. to to keep that that side of my life like there's a lot of great researchers and professors whose work isn't is farther removed from industry. I, I really like it. I, well I'm very proud. The of blend, that. I, like, I agree. Yeah.
0: I think I think that's uh, uh, for me. I would I, w- I would need that. I would crave that. And I sense you're you're you know you're not your typical you know these days uh, anybody uh, any millennial sees a professor speaking right now online they probably run. The other way right they're all <laughs> the online studies you're not that typical professor right you're you're uh, very much embedded in the fabric of what's going on in corporate canada as well so very cool and kudos to you what you know we we i think it was back so i was at the cfl heading up partnerships uh 2004 to 2008 and it and it was around two, late 04 or maybe early 05 ahead of the 2005 Grey Cup in Vancouver that we got connected because you were looking to do a research initiative, part of your PhD, if I'm not right. mistaken. At the time. Yeah. And, and you you wanted to do it in relation to a real-world um, sports event and, and institution, and you picked the Grey Cup and the CFL. And that's how we facilitated access and all that, and that was the first time, and now 15 years later, here we are. Talk, talk a little bit about back then, and, and maybe in the context of what motivated you to want to study sports and sponsorship marketing.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, yeah. Th- and I remember, and th- for the record, that paper, we collected data at the Gray Cup, as you, as you facilitated. It's been published. It's been highly used by students and sponsorship evaluation. So it led me down that, that track. It's interesting. So if we go back on a career perspective, so I was an athlete first and very much chose the university I went to at Waterloo for the opportunity to compete, da da, da and my, kind of my studies were secondary. And along the way, in a co-op term, I worked with Triathlon Canada, I kind of discovered the business of sports. And so really I had no real direction from a career perspective other than that. And that kind of led me into some opportunities. I worked for the Toronto 2008 Olympic bid, I always joke with the students when I say that and I say, do you remember when the games were in Toronto and they kind of all look at you (laughs) funny and in fact, no, no, we lost, we lost to Beijing, but I was part of that
0: and I worked for sports. I remember waking up early and, uh, no, no, no. I remember it with Atlanta. I remember the Atlanta one. Weren't we also in the red? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I remember waking up early for that one and hearing the city of Atlanta. Yeah, but, oh wait, we, we
1: we really had a shot, and yeah. it was very very close. Yeah. Par- Paris was in the mix too, and and right, it, right, right. I, I think if we had a bid again, Toronto had a shot. But anyways, we you know that's that, that's that's yeah. another another Rapid podcast yes. for another day. Yeah. And that that kind of got me down the the road of, and then I was literally working with as as a consultant. I got into biotech for a while, and I was picking mm-hmm. away at my PhD part time, no intention of being a and academic. And then I kind of got a chance to teach. And I was I was using my business PhD was thinking about it for, you know, professional world reasons. And then I kind of got chances to do it. And, and then as you know, and it's still an issue today. I was like, what's a big problem in the area, which I love, which is sponsorship, is sponsorship evaluation. And so that was the topic oh. of my thesis. I talked to a number of industry people, you're one of the expert interviewees that we did in the thesis There was about 60 of them. And everybody said the same thing, right? This is a, I this is not I was a the only book. one. Okay. Well, a true yeah. expert, I guess. Uh-huh. But I mean there, there's still there's okay, so
0: only true expert uh, 59
1: uh, be interviewed. semi
0: yeah, got some other
1: to corroborate <laughs> what you said, basically. And so they uh they uh they but that, the point was and it's still the issue today, and that's and been great. Like that the model that came out of that, and then I mean there was one of the tests that we did, we did a whole bunch. I've testified as an expert witness using it, in, in fact, in cases with the U.S. <laughs> government, the Canadian government, with big brands. No, that's that's podcast
0: po- three. It's, re- yeah, it's podcast real. you're
1: not allowed to talk about long. that. You're not allowed to talk yeah. about that stuff. But it's it's, <laughs> it's been well used and well and well articulated. It's helped make some uh-huh. changes to some tax legislations. So I'm very proud of a lot of the things it's led to, wow. and that and that was part of it. So that really got me down the road, and it really wasn't. I was working at the government and I had an opportunity to interview for a job at Laurentian University in the sport management program, the oldest one in Canada, the famous SPAD program. And uh, and, and I, I kind of, government, I wasn't necessarily feeling the, the motivation to be there. And lo and behold, uh, it led me down this path. And it's been amazing for me. I'm a workaholic, as you pointed out. I love what I do. So I get to do, it's a platform and the university wants you to be out there. They want you to publish. Oh. They want you to write books. They want you to help find jobs for their students. And so it's really been great. And then the, the second time, pure serendipity or luck is the field, as you know, has just exploded. Like I was one of the very first people to study sport in a business school. Now it's everywhere. Yeah. So I'm just a bit yeah. ahead of the curve. So I've been headhunted and I've been in the US a few times. It's been it's been really great. So I've been very lucky from yeah. that
0: perspective and it's led me to do some cool things. And, and I'll uh, sh- shout out back to that cfl connection to my colleagues from those days Mm -hmm. the commissioner tom wright brent scrimshaw who was my boss dana gladstone who was my colleague you know everybody really had a hand in making that happen and it was uh it was a thrill to be a part of and that actually also was the first what it was known as then the sponsorship forum that mark harrison right Mm -hmm. launched Uh, it was at the great cup and you were um you know you were all late li- you i guess you all you were, were you linked to him already then not uh, yet or was that just 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 coincidence that you launched your your study your thesis then and he was launching that event then which is now sponsorship yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a good story. He was he was like you. He'd been an expert witness on the study. We'd met a few years ago at the conference. He'd been very helpful to me. It was a couple of years later that I that I joined and bought into T1 and was part of that. But yeah, I was, there was a speaker oh. and I was speaking on sponsorship evaluation and we were there right. doing some data collection. Then you remember the next year in Ottawa, I believe, we ramped mm-hmm. it up more and we did one with, I'm not, we're not sure, probably even, we're supposed to mention the brands, but we did their whole in-stadium and out-of-stadium activation and uh, a number of the people you met there were part of it and have stayed connected. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was really the opportunity to collect the data was great. And then Mark has been a huge, huge supporter of all that I've done over the years. Yeah, like you good have, stuff, which has been great. It's stuff. been great. Uh,
0: um, so talk about maybe today. So today you're doing work at Guelph. How long has it been at Guelph now?
1: Two years, almost two years. you have been two back, years. So. so
0: talk about talk about the work there.
1: So it, the I mean, it's the university. I was at Ohio University before that for five yeah. years, which was amazing. Yeah. It's the oldest in the world sport management program well-respected. The Ohio State? The Ohio University, not the Ohio State.
0: The Ohio, not the Ohio State. Always Uh, like Michigan,
1: Michigan State. It's actually always a challenge when you're from Ohio, but OU is where sport management is king ohio state is king and much out bobcats first Hawkeyes Sport. and all that stuff so yeah but from Can- most canadians just immediately think of ohio state but in ohio mm. they kind of know the distinction and so it's like the university of toronto versus guelph for example People yes. around here know it is but someone in doesn't know but yeah it's good we're starting we got a research center going there's uh some new pro- programs going i would have never imagined when we first met that big business schools and the GTA would even care about sport. Now we, we're launching something at Guelph, U of T is going down this path. McMaster's looking at stuff, York's got programs, Brock and Laurentian are very established. Like it's incredible how the field has grown uh, and expanded mm-hmm. and formalized. So we'll get into COVID. And why, z- but
0: why do you think, why do you think that is though? Like, uh, you know, I've always said the U S uh, sport marketing landscape is so full and robust and there are schools everywhere and properties, the depth of properties, Canada, you know, sure. I've seen this proliferation of properties, both professional and amateur and not just in sport, but in arts and entertainment and culture. Um, But why are the schools here? Why do you see that growth? What do you attribute that to?
1: Yeah. There's two, there's two principal market demand. yeah, there's, yeah. yeah, that's one for sure. Students think it's it's sexy, and the reality yeah. is there just aren't as much jobs as you know. So this is always a challenge that's, for that's us. That's
0: why I question it a bit. Yeah, oh, right, we yeah. question
1: it all the time internally. The universities, obviously, want more students. You push. It's a competitive environment. U.S. or Canada is exactly the same. Everyone's starting one of these programs because they know students want to do it, placing them at the end of the day. That's why it's nice to be someone like Ohio University where the master's program is 100% job placement, but most places it's mm. very, very small. That's something that bothers me and bothers a lot of the academy. The growth has outstripped the industry. But the industry has grown. And so there's been significant growth in, in, as you know, agencies. Pay is better in the amateur the government the professional world they're formalizing not just hiring former players you've heard all those anecdotes there has been significant mm-hmm. growth and then you think about the growth of things like the adventure racing world and the crossfit world and and like a lot of the parts of sport that yeah. used to be participation yeah. and involuntary are now professional businesses and you know a lot of these people work yeah. for them so it's yeah. it yeah so there's been this growth just the number of students being pumped out as far outpaced uh, the growth of the industry. Whereas you have other industries like if we if we could put another hundred thousand Canadians in computer engineering degrees, Canadian companies could hire them tomorrow, but we don't have them. So it's you get this there's yeah. that kind of university, you know, ebb and flow and push and pull and what people yeah. want to do. So but yeah, those would be the two big drivers that make it really a great time for people like me. Good, good.
0: Um before we pivot to this sponsored landscape study, anything else you want to shine a light on or talk to yeah. about that that career path and before we, we we move off the journey.
1: Yeah, one thing I would say, and if you look at, like people say, can this guy even hold a job? And I'd like to say each one's been a step up and an opportunity <laughs> that have presented to me and da-da-da. Yeah. But the thing, the thing I think people on this podcast could probably gain from is that balance of work experience and accreditation. So people say, like I got added my CPA later in my career. I have two master's Yeah, degrees. I saw that. So, I was like, so wow, all these things.
0: this guy's really... Yeah. It,
1: People say, wow, and I'm, obviously I love math and I'm a, I do a lot of statistical work, but I love the counting and I had an opportunity to do my CPA. and But I can tell you, just like my MBA, each one of them has elevated like new opportunities. I mentioned getting to work on these tax legislation legal cases. They wouldn't take me if I wasn't a CPA. It adds credit. Right. In sport, sport, we obviously get criticized all the time, right, for being a, a secondary field or a fun field or a bunch of – where is all of a sudden yeah. you add this credibility. So I tell people don't underestimate, especially getting in your 30s, 40s, and 50s. Don't underestimate the value of continual accreditation and formal value along with your work experience. You don't want one to outstretch the other. So you get that problem yeah. with some of those professors we talked about before. They're irrelevant here, but you also can become the situation where you become so embedded in one singular work area, you don't have that credibility, and that can also slow your progression. Or even that headhunter that would have been the perfect job for you, even calling you because he didn't check a box. So that's what I yeah. just—that's that, yeah. the only thing I would add. I thought for your audience that yeah. might be interesting.
0: Yeah, and what would you say that is like? What what is that inherent quality that you possess? That that has led you to, you know, I think of resourcefulness. I think of uh, this hunger for co- continual growth and learning. Um, what any? What do you put that down to? What What would your, you know, your 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 parents or your grandparents ever say, Norms? You know,
1: <laughs> well, Norm has this. My mother thinks you I'm see? crazy. She doesn't know what I do. Okay, my craziness. Does, uh, yeah. But my my dad says I'm too nice. For work. I, th- I I put it down to the. The fact that I, I and I say this to my students all the time, I, I'm I'm an athlete and I'm an endurance athlete and I still am and still mm-hmm. try as You know, uh, pretending as I get older.
0: Marathons, right? Yeah, yeah. cross
1: country, skiing, marathons. I I Nordic skied awesome. and we went OUA Waterloo things like that. But I put the same lens on my career. You're starting, you're starting to
0: piss me off, by the way. So, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> carry on. Yeah, yeah. But
1: I put that same lens on. I kind of say to somebody like, hey, "If you're going to go, if you got to, you know, the championship football game on the weekend, you don't lose your, you learn your plays the night before, and you don't add your, you know, whatever the proper equipment the day before, and you don't do the cheapest. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't stay up all night and, and get dehydrated the night before. It's the same thing with your yeah. career and with your learning and with your academics and. So you try to take that kind of approach and that leads you to this a bit of probably, as you're pointing out, mm-hmm. overzealousness and and all this kind of stuff. But I think it's it's led to a lot of neat things. And then I just, the other thing I think I would oh, say question. is I love what I do, like you do. Like I love what I do. So Fashion. you get to w- yeah. work in things that are sport. We make, both of us, we make a lot less money yeah. than we could be if we worked in finance oh. or other areas. But wow, is it, a, yeah. is it is it a real privilege to work in what you love? And and I think those are the two things. But I I, you probably have to ask my mom or my dad to get a true answer, (laughs) or (laughs) someone who knows me well. But uh, yeah, yeah. bring them in.
0: No, just kidding. Um, So we're not allowed to see them. Um, So let's pivot to the the CSLs. Um, I guess the first thing I'll I'll ask is, you know, what are the trends that you're noticing? Let's take more of a current and futuristic view of it than than necessarily a, a historic view. What are the what are the key trends that you're noticing as you study? And maybe maybe for the audience, explain uh, a, a little bit more about first what, what it is and what you do study through the, the landscape study. Yeah, so, so. yeah, and you
1: you know it well, and I mean, it, and it's and you've you filled it out a number of yeah, times over the years. Yeah. it's very yeah. much it's very much something that was done, as you mentioned. Mark Harrison and the conference had the idea. Benoit Sagan and I went off, and universities built this up. IMI's been a partner. The Sport Marketing Council of Canada has been a partner. You've much people have helped sponsorship report over the years. People send it out from a variety of agencies. It's been really an industry based thing. It's 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 all the results are available for anyone that wants to English and French on sponsorshiplandscape.ca or commanditetude.ca You can go get the so it's very much for the industry and it really came from the idea that IEG did this for the US and people got sick people like you of not having Canadian yeah. data. It's been very successful yeah. each year. We kind of do it. We rely on people to to do it. It's done under the auspices of the university, so nothing is shared. No one ever sees it. We never would say Scotia Bank spends this. It's all summary data. So people seem and still have seemed very well, well interested in sharing. So we get great data. Yeah, we'll get into the historical stuff because there's lots of interesting there. People go to the website or they they may know it. What So w- right now we're collecting the, tw- the 14th annual. So it's based on the 20... 20- 19 year. So the, the mm. disappointing thing for COVID is we're not going to have, and probably it's not a bad thing because hopefully it will be wrapped up before the 2020 year. We, we'll still be a year away from really digging into, and, and this will be the same in any case sure. as what's happening with COVID. But what's what 2018, so the 2019 study, which we just kind of came out based on 2018 financials was an exceptional year. And so we'd seen ups and downs, as you know, and flatness and decreases. It was the best results we'd ever seen for Canadian sponsorship, largely driven by professional sport, who are obviously getting hit really hard right now. Yeah. But we hit yeah. three, yeah. three, three billion dollars in total spend for the first time in Canada between rights fees and activations. by That's the just not
0: just sports, though. That that's that's the whole everybody, industry, right? But, yeah, with, with
1: pro sport being driven over, by yeah. pro sport over half. And we've seen that, oh, yeah. you've seen that chart we kind of have, but sport, pro sport, yeah. we, used to, we used to be really hard on them and rightly so, was just rink boards, and you know this better than I do, rink boards and basic traditional packages. They really got their act together about 2014, winter classics, more digital content. You think about what the CFL did with like Wendy's activations and Nissan, like really cool things. And that really mm-hmm. took off. And then we saw another bump in pro sport in 2018. And that's pulling, sure, the pie is growing, But more of the pie is moving from amateur sport, moving back from festivals, and pro sport is really doing well. So that was a big, big theme in 2018. And I think it was the same case in 2019 that we'll see when we measure it, where we're measuring that right now, and up probably until March the 15th when the world kind of fell apart. Uh, and then, well, cause pro sports obviously taking a, as big a hit as anyone right now. So it was a big sure. shift. The other thing that I think is really important and really exciting for somebody like me is, and you know we're very critical, so I like to think in some part the sharing of this study at all the conferences and da-da-da helped we're getting way smarter. So like other parts of Mm -hmm. the marketing industry, advertising, publicity, et cetera, sponsorship is finally there. So we're being much smarter with activation dollars, evaluation dollars, the sales side, where you are in servicing, all those metrics for the first time started to come up. We're nowhere near the US, and you made this point earlier, in terms of activation spend and how we do stuff, but getting to much better levels, expertise and agency side, Uh, Properties understanding they need to provide platforms for their sponsors to activate and evaluate and them even investing in activation themselves to help their partners and then brands, you know, activating much better, seeking services, the ROI back on all of those metrics. We ask a whole bunch of questions, really, really positive improvement. So, And I would say that we're going to find that same kind of growth in the one we're kind of wrapping up, we're connect collecting for now and then into obviously what the part of, of 2020. So those would be some of the kind of high yeah. level trends. The other thing I would add, just so people know that, that don't know the study mm-hmm. is we have over 4,000. So it's not perfect data. We rely on people to contribute to it. It's a bit of snowball sampling, but now after 13 years and more than 4,000 Canadian organizations responding, there's mm-hmm. some plus and minus in the data, but you could be really confident in the trends sure. and the relativity of it, yes
0: um that the you you talked about my favorite term in the in the study and that's activation and i usually i'm good for one email to you every year it comes out questioning you know how is it tracked how's it measured because i say it in the context of there's such a disparity on both sides of the border right you you tend to see activation to rights fee ratios of over two to one south of the border. And here it's what about half to 1.51 has has grown, right? Yeah. So talk about that. Why, what it is and maybe why, why do you see that disparity? It's a, it's a great point. And obviously you
1: and I talk about this every year and and you've contributed to how we do this, which is very important. And I'll talk about that. So you remember when we first did the study at the, it was 2007 after we talked about 2005, the big number that came out was 0.43. And the U.S. number at that time was 1.8, 1.7. France, oh. same. England, the same. We're way behind. That was the talk of the – and something we spent a few years. Was that a blurp? Did we mismeasure? And we dug in, and no, we found out that was pretty consistent. Last year was 0.68, which is one of the highest we've ever mm-hmm. seen. So 70 cents almost on the dollar. So you're starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. But yeah, tra- mm-hmm. classically, we've been way behind. Some of the r- reasons why – Um, that we, that we've learned with some deep dives. This isn't me talking. This is what people feedback is one, a lot Mm -hmm. of the major brands and major properties do their activation spending out of the U S so Canada gets drips, right? So that would be one, one thing. Second thing is the, in terms of the music festival, high school sports, collegiate sports, arts and music, some of those other areas outside of pro sport. They're way more developed in the United States and France and England than they are in Canada. So those are still volunteerism cultures and these kind of things that really kind of comes across. The last thing I'll I'll say would be, and you made this the first part of your question, huge, huge issue is the attribution, right? And any time of marketing thing we measure. And so it's, it's improper. We try to word the question very, very carefully and say, hey, this is any spend that you make outside of the rights fees. We understand some of it's in the contract. Some of it's outside the contract, please do your best to give it to us. So really reliant at the end of the day, this is the way most marketing surveys are done as you know, on what Uh the respondent tells us. So we try to take our lens out of it and just say, please tell us, because as you know, and you see these things way more than I do in the contracts now, and we push them all the time. Hey, you're negotiating get the freaking activation spend in there included if you can and you you know this stuff better than i so so that uh-huh. so we really count on the organization doing that does that lead to some error possibly maybe we're measuring a little bit lower than we would but they'd have the same issue with the studies in the other countries and then there'd be some the other way where activation's not included and it's missed or whatever so over the big yeah. sample we can be pretty confident in those uh-huh. numbers and you could say yeah we're a half to 40% of what's being spent in the U S and we continue to push as people like you do. And it's, it's continuing to grow. Now, the last thing I would say, if we probably, if we subsampled, if we ever could do this on activations, if we took Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, where the reality of those three cities is much more like the U S from a marketing perspective, I think we'd see much higher numbers. We have a very rural country. And so a lot of the stuff that happens, as you know, is done in ways where the activation is just not expensive or it's just not even mm-hmm. needed in some places if you're doing the Scotties and Moose Jaw, for example, whereas the U.S. has got a much more urban, a much higher dense population.
0: So that could be part of it as well. Uh, that's a great point. And I've, I've theorized that some of the disparity might be that, but I think you've corrected me on this, is, is that the U.S. might be counting media dollars as part of activation. But you feel, I think, that Canadian, brands are also factoring in their media spend that is tied to to promoting the partnership sponsorship um, as well. No. For, yes. for, yeah, from yeah. My knowledge,
1: yes. And then, like some of the academic yeah. studies, we had one PhD student. She's now a prophet at Nipissing. She did all activation. We interviewed some big, big Canadian brands, and they were up in the four to one, five to one, six to one, seven to one. But they were in very, you know, consumer-focused fields, and blah 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 blah. So yeah, we know that, and we do ask people please include all those spending dollars in there. You're right. Some might leave it out. Sometimes it's hard to attribute because maybe it's part of a larger media deal. With other yeah, things yeah not, yeah you're right there's that element of but there's would, always
0: yeah
1: the relativity and the questions are very the studies that are done in those other countries are very similar questions now they don't go near as deep like the landscape study is deep and so we've we've had inquiries mm. from a lot of other countries how did you do it like the singapore government for instance is one who's come and asked all about it and they did it a couple of times in their country to kind of follow that model to try to get a more And that's why it's great having the Sponsor Marketing Council of Canada. That's why it's great having lots of partners. That's why it's great that it's freely shared and not sold. Like There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with proprietary research, but this is a wonderful thing. So you can at least be quasi-confident in the numbers where some of the U.S. studies are done on very small samples and by an agency that they don't really share their methods. At least least we put it out there. We get criticized, and your points are great, but at least
0: we put it out there is my argument. So another area I wanted to just get your thoughts on is – and it was – in a way, I was a little disappointed to see, um, you know, a, a sports, even though I've listened, I've lived most of my career in the world of sport and entertainment marketing, but to see sports kind of push back against the growth of the festivals and and other events, right? Where you started to see a real growth in that sector, right? Um, there's so many new music festivals, Oceaga yeah. and, and and Boots and Hearts and things of that nature. Um and also, cause right, cause you saw real sophistication growth among the cause brands, Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation and yeah. Sick Kids Foundation. All these amazing, you know, and much more sophisticated. Like the NSOs, really elevated their game in in the through the two thousands and into the twenty tens. What do you, you know, do you think that that's going to continue? That that those groups will be you know, that sport will continue to reign to the degree it is, or do you see them gaining ground in the next few years? Yeah. Great. Great. Let's talk pre COVID. Let's assume just yeah. the data we yeah, have pre. Yeah. And and hopefully we go
1: back to the way you're close to us before, but yeah. So first of all, it, yeah, the pro sport grew a lot, but so did the whole field. So a lot of people in, in right. those, and those other ways, I didn't feel that much. And it's true. Now the amateur sport organizations and, and are really hurting. The COC's done very well, the CPC's done well, but then ne- so there's all those kind of pieces. But yeah, they wouldn't tell you, oh yeah, we we've noticed this massive decline. But as the pie's grown, the slice going to pro has gotten much bigger. Festivalization mm. was a term we actually coined because of the study that's actually done really, really well. So 2012, we saw that spike you talked about. It stayed mm. very consistent. So about 20 to 25% of the dollars are staying with festivals. Now, obviously, this year is going to be a disaster, but staying with festivals activation <clears throat> and rights fees. So that's a very um, positive thing uh, to see. The other thing on causes, and this is, you make a great point, and as you know, we've investigated this over the year, it was big and then it kind of dropped off. And we did a deep dive again last year. And if people go on and grab this study, there's a set of decks where we ask people really about the causes and it's amazing information. I'll kind of highlight it quickly. But the first thing is cause has really gone from being a category to being a necessary inclusion. So people no longer yes. click, yeah, I, as you know, click on cause, or I am a cause property, no, no, no. It's you're expected to be or bring one in. So even if you're the Toronto Maple Leaf, say for profit, you know, professional sport, make money entity, they're expected to give back and be engaged with some of the charities you mentioned and do positive things and get out in the community. So they want to see that. What's really and it's really neat about the results of the studies we got into, like how and why, and it kind of got into four different booths, right? So there are some sponsors that say we don't care, we want ROI on our products. There's some that say the cause is vitally important and we want to see it there. Most say it depends. Like they want to look at who you are and is, is it make sense for us? So if we're going to give up ROI, does it give back? And some say it's all about the fit with them. So they're seeking out properties. So if you thought about sick kids, which you mentioned, if a brand is looking mm-hmm. to associate with a sick kids property, that may not be sponsored, but whatever, that kind of is an example, they would look for, does that fit with my my target markets? Does that fit with my brand image? Does that fit with my sales plan? And so those those four kind of groups came up, and each one was plus or minus around a quarter. There was some variation in there, and then we oh, had some. Big, cool. So people can go have a look at that. So that's been a neat learning for us. It's not the cause because it's it's just gone down. If you look at the numbers, because people yeah. aren't categorizing categories as cause anymore. They want like CIBC run for the cure. They would look at as sure. it's a spore property, but oh, it better have a lot of cause attached to it, right? And and we can go yeah, through. Yeah, that makes that, sense.
0: And that's what I also I, I that was my kind of summation is I'm seeing it certainly in the work I do with properties is is um, is activations are very purpose driven now. And that means there is a cause being brought along. One of my favorites from the last couple of years is what the, the gang at MLSE did, but not with one of their bigger partners. It was with Hellman's Mayonnaise. And I've been part of the judging for the Sponsorship Marketing Awards for the last few years, and and that one we gave a best uh, in category to a couple years ago because uh, it it just really was cool how they took um, uh, all the wasted food at these stadiums and arenas and repurposed it and gave it to those who need it most, right? Because there's such waste if you think about the sweets and you think about. The preparation for the concessions that don't get used, and um, so so you're right. Like causes are popping up, I think in activations in in the arts, in sports, in culture, and everything. So I was hoping it was just getting pulled along, and they are not suffering. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just being cast in a different light in the study that you do. But the overall pie is, you know, they're they're, they're not suffering the way it might come off. So. That's exactly
1: yeah. it. And and the deep dive, as I mentioned, if people want, we, we went really deep, got great comments from people, Asked specific questions. We do one of those every year. We've done cause a couple of times, but last year, so it's on the, people want to look at it. There's really informative stuff right. and you're bang on that it's, it's actually enhanced yeah. and it's importance just reflected differently.
0: Yeah. So uh, w- one more question, but actually I, I'm now going to make, a, I just lied. I'm going to get two more questions because I was going to go one more place, but I'm thinking, there's three sectors you um, you get input from uh, brands slash sponsors, uh, properties, and agencies. What do you what? Which of those three have you seen acting the most different over the last in their behavior, reported behavior? Are you seeing the biggest shift in behavior from brand side? Biggest shift from properties, or maybe it's agencies have changed the most? So the biggest shift in the, in the the most recent one was agency yeah.
1: agencies for sure and we captured mm. this with and we kind of called it the the emergence of the sponsorship agency so i went back after we got some results mm. last year where over half of the agency sample and this would be people like one person shops right up to a, a thousand person global agency and everything in between as is, is mm. the people clicking were a sponsorship agency so in the first few years of the study zero people Individuals or like sponsorship agencies either ad agencies marketing agencies PR agencies other and they'd fill in what it was We saw over half the response group, which I think was 63 agencies in Canada last time that responded Over half of them characterized themselves as a sponsorship agency wow. So the vast majority yeah. of their billings are coming from sponsorship and then we've seen a real rise in the proportions of their sponsorship that are billings how they're being used the engage and the sophistication. So all those numbers we talked about earlier, evaluation, servicing, activation numbers and and questions. We got a whole battery, in all of them, all improve significantly when an agency is mm. involved for a brand or a property partner. So that was by far the biggest kind of kind of shift within each category. Uh, it in, in terms yeah. of so that's interesting. In terms of like looking at the three overall. I mean, properties. We always get an enormous amount of responses. They want the data. We hear about them. Use, you did it using yeah. them in their decks and blah blah blah. Sponsors are obviously the, cha- the cha- more challenging group um, to get in, and then. But what we've really seen with the sponsor side is, I kind of highlighted a bit up front, but that's been a three or four year trend. Is a real su- improved, I would say, way in which they're getting involved in sponsors. So we've seen actually seen a flattening in what's been spent on rights fees and a bump mm-hmm. in what's gone to activation. So is that $3 billion, is at a rise, but it's coming more for activation spend. Now that's not as good yeah. for the salespeople out there. It's not as good for the, maybe the direct bottom line, but it's way better for sponsorship. Because all it, we no need question. sponsorship to work, or why not just do advertising and pull it back to the ad budgets where then none of us need to be involved, right? It's just a direct buy. And that field is yeah. so much bigger. So that to me is really positive. That was the worry we had when those activation ratios were getting down to 30 cents. I was like, oh my god, the sure. brands are just, the, the CFOs are just going to say, Get out of this, let's just buy some time or lower our price, right? Like, so this is and, this, and, this, this and probably- I would
0: argue, and I would argue all day to every property side seller that I talk to and work with, and I do training for them, that actually is good for them. and I, And the reason I think it's good for them is if you want to live in rich one year rolling deals, go for it, right? If you want long-term partnerships that renew and the partner is happy, you want activation to be growing because that's the only way that the client, the partner is going to see value. If it's a rights fee heavy deal, good luck come renewal time because they're gonna have a very hard time seeing results. So if you're playing the long game, uh, you should be pleased to see the trends and and ultimately you'll have a more successful career in property side sales
1: yeah 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 exactly yeah. exactly
0: um so future of the study and and i guess i'm going to cast it in a sense of there's technology and and things like um you know social media and esports. right obviously the the buzz uh, these days um you know twitch um, this the future of this of the sponsored landscape study um, where do you see it going do you see those things obviously becoming a bigger part of the study and the focus
1: yeah yeah th- thanks i mean hopefully it goes another yeah. 14 years cuz it's been it's been great yeah. and the um and the, the, and the pros and cons as you know of having a long term study the pros are if you keep asking the same questions you get unbelievable data so we're very we've done a couple of calls over the years And IMI and others have contributed to that, like reviewing some of these questions. But we've tried to stick largely and ask the same thing. So if Gavin Roth filled it out in 2007 at the Canadian Football League and then 2012 at UFC Canada and now with X, that each of those it's going to be the same question. So we can compare apples to apples. And we have some incredible data. And that's what makes the study so special. But then we want to add in these new things. So eSports, we've done a couple of deep dives. We did one a couple of years ago when it first came out and one this past year. And we're finding, as a lot of people say, there's a lot of chat about it not so much activity in the sponsorship space and a lot of people really just in a wait and see. So the deep dive we did in that last, a couple of questions in the results. It's well over 90%. We're like, yeah, we're not involved. We're watching. Some say it'll never affect yeah. us. But those that are in, they're in. Right, so there's kind of this small mm-hmm. proportion that have gone really in, and we found done another study we're, we're doing right now that's finding the same kind of thing. And other research companies have found the same kind of thing. Is it's this really kind of interesting dynamic? So how do we capture that? Well, we we do these deep dives, but then also we add and take out some new questions, and then we can easily add some new categories. So we haven't gotten there yet, but maybe esports becomes a new category in the spend next year. Yeah. Whereas so it's like pro sport, you know, amateur grassroots Olympic sport. Esports, and then maybe it's not just festivals. Uh, See so that making
0: sense? So, especially, especially in, in the in light of the topic we're going to talk about in this yeah. COVID world, how everything's going virtual and online, exactly. right? That's well, exactly. suited. And yeah.
1: then we have activation spend, right. and then we have math. So, so you really want to keep the the overall piece. So if all of a sudden that esports was already considered as a pro sport, for example, sponsorship, you make pro sport look like it's gone down, even though that's not the case. So there's this methodological side as well as the Getting the the sensitivity of the current uh, of the day. I mean, gambling is another big one. Fantasy sports. um, These are all things that are that we wanna that we wanna measure, and we're doing that
0: in in this kind
1: of way. It makes me
0: it makes me think of one of the comments I made uh, recently to some friends: is that the 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 effects of being quarantined or not quarantined, the social isolation, and and uh, is the tabs on the top of my browser look very different than they did about a month ago. I don't have fantasy sports on there anymore. I have COVID dashboards and yeah. you know and new news channels that I never would have been bothering with, but now uh, all the fun stuff it seems like is gone from the top of my uh, browser bar yep. you I know, the, you know, know, you've experienced the same. I think everyone's <laughs> experiencing that. And, and and yeah the news has yeah. made a bit of a renaissance, that's for sure. So yeah. yeah. Um, so so in the time we have left, uh, let's talk COVID um, these days. You kind of have to. And maybe I'll I'll ask you two uh questions. The first one is you know, from a sport um and entertainment events perspective, you probably have time to start thinking about what the new normal, not to use an overused term, will look like. You know, you're starting to hear things like no fans, um, maybe for the rest of this year. Or or modified fans and just go with, with the, the broadcast. Right. Um, what do you think? Like, how are they going to ease fans uh, concerns? Right. All these types of things have to be factored in leagues. I, I got a little birdie told me you might've been talking to one of the big leagues recently today. Um, like, you know, they're all probably thinking about you know, after I've said through crisis comes innovation, right. I'm not the only one. So, what do you think? What do you think the new normal will, will look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great and a very challenging question. And unfortunately I've fortunately have been able to kind of think about it a, quite a bit and, and talk yeah. a lot about it. I think there's a couple of, of things that are important up front. is one would be there's this, and, and the big leagues you mentioned that have the resources have the luxury of doing this. It's the smaller ones. It's one of my big observations that people are are, are less good. People want to talk about the Tour de France and the NHL and the NFL and Wimbledon, et cetera. Euro in the Olympics, but there's the average everyday sport has stopped. Every amateur club coach in tennis and swimming and football and hockey has lost their job or been laid off or their own company has stopped. Like it's just been smashed. And so there's this short-term kind of piece. Like it's literally stopped. And there's some jurisdictions a little bit still happening, but 90% plus is stopped in Canada, right? So it's 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 really, really challenging. So then there becomes this dynamic of. It, what's the short term to your question around um, what, what's a new normal? Well, there's this period of time with what will that new normal be, but then the transition between it. So if we make one assumption, we say we're going to return to some semblance of what life used to be, that you and I can go sit together and have a hot dog and cheers our beer at a, at a hockey game versus you and I go to that hockey and we're sitting 10 feet apart and we can't even talk to each other or eight of us get in because there's only eight seats. Like So that seems a bit extreme. But if we're going to go back to, if we make an assumption we're going to go back to some semblance of normal, my belief is we're going to see a, and there's a lot of people that have talked about this, we're going to see a significant boom. Where people are going to be like, oh my God, I want to travel. What if I'm not allowed to travel anymore? I've always wanted to visit the rainforest or I've always wanted to go to a Barca game. I've always wanted, whatever the case, I I, I wanted to go to the Australian Open. I wanted to go to the Rugby World Cup. What if I can't do that? So there could be this real, assuming we get there, there's that boom. But then in between we're dealing with this unbelievable bust and it's really challenging. And like you've been doing, talking to people, whether it's, you know, clients or leagues or people you talk to, all these kind of things that you're it's, it's, it's really hard because you come up with these really innovative ideas, but then someone says, and it's often a lawyer, well what if one of the athletes goes there, gets COVID, gives it to somebody and their mother passes away. You're, You're legally liable for not only- I was talking about this
0: yesterday with somebody. I said liability has got to be the the term of the day. So
1: So to your point, it crushes innovation. So crisis leads to innovation except when you're in a crisis, which has got so many constraints, right? So like even the UFC who are the biggest risk takers in the mall have done great stuff and I'm a big fan. They, mm-hmm. they had their Island idea. It got shot down for these kind of reasons, right? They just, the athletes aren't want to take that risk. They don't. So anybody's in this kind of situation and then the public shaming of people that go outside of it. So it's a very challenging environment. So there's kind of that cancellation postponement decision. So we, you know, you'd hear these different forecasts. Is it September? Is it July? Is it December? Is it 2022? The longer it goes, the much worse it is for sponsorship. Like we're the most susceptible of most and you will lose businesses or people will lose jobs or events may you know, not restart. And then what if we make that assumption down the road? If the assumption down the road is things really shift and we go to this non fan-based environment, I mean, we're 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 going to deal with contraction in our industry. There's no question. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we go back yeah. to that, it's going to deal with a rec- recovery stage and then a potential boom, which uh, I think is provided we get this this nasty virus under control. Yeah, I think we'll hopefully see that, and hopefully that will be this fall.
0: Hopefully, and I, you know, and hopefully yes, <laughs> a lot of that, hopefully. <laughs> um, I I do listen. I, I land on it this way: is that we will get a we will get a vaccine. Um, we will have better testing and I think the leagues will invest a lot of money think about you know we've both got the scar tissue of having worked through 9/11 yeah. and having worked through SARS and this is certainly broader reaching and more more uh, the impact is greater no question the and and um, we there was a rebound after everything where we thought the world had come to an end even regionally um, and the leagues and the, the the sports events just put stricter measures in place. So remember, you had to line up to get into that uh, Yankee Stadium or or you know Scotiabank Arena and go through it wasn't that called that back then, and go through crazy security protocols that for the most part we we just accepted. We knew we had to here there's gonna be different kinds of protocols, but It's just a matter of when. And I think once that happens, you're right. I think there is going to be that craving, that boom, that, that excitement to get out and, 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 and celebrate again together, uh, knowing that there is, there are protocols in place. Yeah. Agreed. hundred percent. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, so that's the new normal, which everybody's kind of, uh, you know, speculating on um impact it will have on how you think sponsors will behave and properties will behave there's some of that i think in your answer there but um you know i've got some theories on it too but i'd like to get your perspective this, you know assuming we get back and there's fans and there's there's everything's back to normal at some point whether that's you know fall whether that's 2021 whether that's 2022 how do you think what what are some of the ways you'll see difference in the way properties and sponsors come together yeah there's there's clearly a silver lining if you can
1: call it in this dark cloud would be the pushing, and you know this too, of, of properties, especially, but also brands to really digitize and think about Ooh. traditional ways we do things. And this can even be down to very, I mean, universities are a classic example. This would include university level sport of organizations that haven't really been under a lot of pressure. Especially in Canada, to do too much. And you all of a sudden, and you see this at, at Guelph, what the senior administration is looking at is wow, there's some things here that can really be digitized. So there's some navel gazing that's gonna go on. And a lot of these properties that really haven't had their have had it easy, or some that have had really have kind of had sponsors and haven't really had to think about it, all of a sudden like, wow, we don't have a digital offering we don't have easy activation methods that don't require us to be in the room with the athlete or the musician or the celebrity or at the event or interact directly because we haven't needed to and this is the leagues so would mm-hmm. be classic examples is and the NBA is almost always at the forefront of these things and yeah, like, they've been do doing we, a great job yeah how do you, and they've got an esports league now which has been you know doing yeah. okay doing well with fans okay financially they can move everything towards that And elevate it, even at an investment level, which esports kind of is now in a lot of cases. It's not a revenue generator a lot of cases. It's an investment for the future. All of a sudden, you can move to these kind of things. And the MLB just did some stuff. You see what UFC is trying. Maybe there's new ways to look at things. Maybe we're going to come out of this. We're going to say, hey, we don't want big venues. We want small, clean venues. Whoever thought of that word before, yeah. right? Not clean as in terms of signage, but clean in terms yes. of someone someone sprayed down my seat before I go in and the servers are wearing gloves and they've been checked for viruses before they got to work that day. Like so you think about how it's gonna shift. So if you're out ahead of that, and then we've already know like the big properties, Olympics, NFL, Euro. of the revenues are coming from, well, it's a bit high, but most of the revenues are coming from non-ticket sources anyways, and if they can enhance that experience. And and one of the things we've been talking about with some other people, like production and television, what if you got rid of 20,000 people watching a hockey game and all of a sudden the cameras are right around the players so you could actually see gavin deke out norm with a camera and this kind of different angles and instead of the sound of a crowd it's the sound of an ice or norm swearing because you went around them all these kind of pieces like you can just do some of these shifts right so maybe it's going to elevate or accentuate where we might have gone. Eventually we've been talking about virtual reality for years and nothing's really come into play. So that could be the real pause. This will
0: accelerate.
1: Accelerate. The scary thing though, the the, the, part of the dark cloud is the smaller events. And those programs yeah. that they get canceled they may never happen again they lost that connection with the city now or they they the, the the owner that was just keeping it going took a bath this year and had to go do something else and so that, that's great point we haven't that, been talking we,
0: we're talking yeah. about them as part of the the general economy there's a lot of talk of the mom and pops but you're right yeah. there is that layer in the world of sports Jeez. and sponsorship marketing right and uh not enough has been talked about there. And, you know, what I've often said the magic in a brand and a property coming together is if that brand and property work hard to figure out a need or a pain point of the the consumer slash fan slash, you know, um, uh, constituent, right? Um, this will create some new pain points and needs, right? This, uh, for, for properties to come in and, and say, hey, we are going to, um, create an environment where you feel safe and clean and and it'll be courtesy of the work we're doing. And And I think that will allow some brands to really curry favor with with uh, the fans of that property. Um, so I think a whole new set of discussions will will be born out of this, no question.
1: And then the last thing, if I got I one more thing, the last thing I think I yeah, in terms yeah. of
0: the, the opportunity
1: from a branding perspective, and you hinted at this, would be for the, this is for both properties and brands. There's an opportunity now to be leaders, like to step back from ROI and revenue and be helpful to your low earning athletes or your part time yeah. staff that you had to lay off or the supplier companies that keep your venue going. Like This is for the big ones, the ones that can financially sustain this no problem even if it goes on for a year, but there's an opportunity for them to not be seen as trying to dig in there and immediately pull money out of customers with a new digital thing, build that digital thing, get going, but also be a corporate citizen. And like the lens is on corporate citizen and corporate sponsor marketing and all those things at a much higher level than it's been probably since you said er many, many years ago, some of those other crises we've dealt with. And so there's a real opportunity there to, 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 to try to be, the good corporate citizen and not immediately try to replace those revenues for those that are in that awesome. situation.
0: Well said. Well listen, uh, let's park it there. Where are we? We uh, uh well 6 minutes over, not too bad. I mean, okay. we can go on and on and and I suspect I'll be approaching you down the road to come and visit again, uh but can't thank you enough for your time, your insights. Uh, I know you're juggling a lot. So uh, appreciate you doing this. Thanks Gavin, happy to come on anytime. So thank you. All right, pal. Be well. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye.